Welcome into the Jazz Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Anderson. A very happy Thursday to you. We are one week away from the NBA draft. That's what we're going to be focusing on in this podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Read me at kslsports.com. Make sure you download the KSL Sports app. Uh, if you're looking forward to the Olympics, if you're looking forward to the NBA draft, uh, we've got all your coverage for you at kslsports.com. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at KSL Sports, and also download the KSL Sports app. It's really the easiest way to get all of our content, every pro and amateur team in the state of Utah, plus all of our Olympic coverage right there at the KSL Sports app. All right, so here's how we're going to do this uh, NBA Draft podcast today. I've been going around to different mock drafts, pulling out some of the players they've got projected to the Jazz. I've got five different guys I'll talk to you about, maybe a few more that I've written about personally. Uh, and just kind of what I think about them and what, what their fit could be for the Jazz. Let's get it out of the way. The Jazz have the 30th overall pick, the last pick of the first round. That makes it really difficult to project who the Jazz are going to be looking at. Realistically, they need to be taking best player available. I mean, I think that's always the case. Sometimes best player available also means best fit because that's the guy who can step in and show what they can do. You know, if you draft a center, maybe like you did last year, and he's good, but he can't play because he's behind Rudy Gobert, and he's behind Derek Favors, then, you know, is Yudoka Azabuki really the best player available on the board? There's an argument, yes, but also because he couldn't play, you know, he doesn't look as good as a guy like Desmond Bain or Emmanuel Quickly, guys who got on the floor who, who would have been available when the Jazz were originally uh, slated to pick at 23. So I, I think that's kind of a big question, but you want to have talent because talent's either going to help you win or it looks really good in a trade. And if the Jazz decide, hey, they need to make some you know, fancy salary cap moves and you need to attach somebody's bigger contract with a good, young, talented piece, you can do that. And it can bring back draft picks or it can bring back other good, young talent. It's the value of having good, young players on your roster, especially guys that can move and have upside and have the types of things that other teams are going to be looking for if they're rebuilding or trading more proven players. So, at 30, it gets really hard uh, because it's not like, you know, you're at the end of one of the tiers in the draft. So the, the tiers in this draft kind of go the top one, Cade Cunningham's going to go to Detroit out of Oklahoma State. Uh, and then there's a couple of guys like two, three, four, five. Uh, that's kind of the second tier. And if you're drafting fifth, you take whichever of the four guys that the second, third, and fourth teams didn't pick. And then you go, you know, six through 12. And if you're 12, you kind of just take the last guy who's obviously the best player available. Occasionally, you'll see some some weird moves where someone will draft a, a player well above uh, their draft slot. Phoenix is kind of notorious for doing that. But otherwise, you kind of just know who the best players are in that tier. If you're at the top of that tier drafting, you get to pick which of those guys you like the most. If you're at the bottom, you just take whoever falls to you. At 30... It's so wide open on the number of players the Jazz could draft because you're probably in the fourth or fifth tier of the draft at that point. You realistically could be looking at 25 guys. You know, if you're narrowing it down by position, let's say you're not going to draft any of the centers. Okay, you take out the kid from North Carolina and you take out the kid from Texas and you're not looking at Namias Keita from Utah State. So that narrows it down a little bit, but then you're at 20 guys instead of 25. So it's really wide open for what the Jazz are going to do at, at 30, and that's why it makes it a little bit harder to project. You're not really, other than a couple of names, hoping for, for people who could fall to you, uh, and we'll address some of those uh, some of those players here and some of the guys I've looked at that I like. So, 
Let's get started with these mock drafts. We'll start with a friend of the program, Kristen Peak from Yahoo Sports. She's joined us a bunch of times. I'm going to try and get her on in the next week before the actual NBA draft to just get one final breakdown on what she's heard. She's super well-connected. She knows these players as well as anybody and, and has really good relationships with a bunch of front offices around the NBA. So it'll be fun to talk to Kristen, hopefully one more time uh, before next week's draft. In her latest at Yahoo Sports, uh, and I've got links to all these within the article, she has the Jazz taking Joshua Primo, the guard from Alabama. Uh, Interesting background on him. He's a freshman who reclassified uh, to take place uh, or to take part in the college uh, season for 2020-2021. He should have been a high school senior. Uh, He's 6'5". He weighs 190 pounds. Got a nice 6'9 wingspan, so he kind of has that prototypical 2-3 frame Unlike most high school kids who are playing at the college level or 18-year-olds who are playing at the college level, he's actually got a pretty sturdy frame. Some of these kids come in and they're just so thin because they they haven't really developed into men yet. Uh, That's not necessarily the case with with Joshua Primo. He's going to get bigger, but he's already got a body that could probably get into the NBA and play a little bit if he had to, though I don't necessarily think that's what the Jazz would use him for. Uh, He averaged 8.1 points per game. 3.4 3.4 rebounds, only 0.8 assists, which is concerning if you're a guard. He played 30 games for Alabama. I want to say he started like 23, 24 of them. Uh, so he pretty quickly got on campus and they said, okay, we got to play this kid. We got to find a way to get him on the floor. He's an extremely intriguing shooter. Uh, he's got the ability to knock down threes and he does it pretty consistently. He'll have halves where he'll knock down, you know, four threes in, in, in 15 minutes. And you think, okay, that kid looks like an NBA player. He shot 38% from the three-point line, 43% from the floor. But like I said, his average is eight points, three rebounds, and under an assist a game. It wasn't like he's super prolific. I mean, this is almost like drafting a European player when you see that their numbers are way down because you recognize he just, at his age, with a pretty good Alabama roster, with some other good pieces around him, some other NBA guys around him, he just was not going to be somebody they were going to run the ball through every trip down the floor, nor are his his skills uh, ready to do that yet. So... He can probably play the two. He might be able to play a little bit of the three. Apparently in workouts and some at the combine, he was able to show he can play the one and kind of be a secondary ball handler. So there's some advantage there. He puts in the effort defensively. He's going to have to learn to get better just because, you know, he was playing high school kids and probably, you know, some junior level kids last year. And then he went right into a pretty good SEC league. And then he's going to go in the NBA next year. I would expect him to play a ton in the G League, that's going to be back next season. The Salt Lake City Stars will. So that that's where if the Jazz landed with Joshua Primo, and by the way, Kristen Peake's not the only person to project uh, that Primo will land with the Jazz. He will get a lot of opportunity playing in the G League, and the Jazz would take his development, I think, very similar to what they did with a guy like Rudy Gobert, where you're investing in him two, three years down the line, and you hope he becomes a real player then. But right now, you're not expecting him to come in and be able to play very well. Uh, the assist numbers, as I mentioned, we'll get back to that. It, it's concerning. Uh, he didn't have great guard play around him at Alabama. He had a, a couple of good bigs, but he didn't have great guard play. But really, where his mindset is is to catch the ball and shoot. He can put it on the floor a little bit, but not incredibly well. His ball handling is fine, but certainly not spectacular yet. So he's not a guy who you're going to ask to go out there and be a playmaker. If he never develops as a playmaker and the three-point shot doesn't become, you know, elite, elite, and he's not an elite defensive player, which he could be pretty good, you know, he may not make the NBA. And that's why he's being picked at number 30. He's not the type of 
high school kid, though, that you're saying, hey, this kid has huge boomer bust potential. I think sometimes we, we see those players. It's not the type of kid who's coming in at 18 years old. He turns 19 on Christmas Eve saying that if it all clicks, this kid's going to be a superstar. I don't think that's how you look at him. I think if you look at him, you say, hey, if this all clicks, he becomes C.J. Miles, you know, former jazz man, C.J. Miles, Gary Trent, who's probably a better version of C.J. Miles, a guy like that who shoots, plays a little defense, secondary ball handler, has good NBA size, but that's that's pretty much it. I don't think you're looking at a guy who's going to develop into a superstar. So I think that's what you kind of be need to be aware of when you're looking at Joshua Primo, who gets uh, projected as jazz by Kristen Peak in Yahoo Sports' latest mock draft. Coming in next, the Ringer's latest mock draft. This came out in the last day or two. Uh, this is one of the more interesting names. Uh, you don't usually see him projected in the first round, but a couple of uh, different mocks have him in the early second. Uh, they've got Isaiah Todd, the big man coming from the G League Ignite. Remember, Isaiah Todd was going to go to Michigan. He was a top 30 recruit. At one point, he was the top recruit in his high school class, and that just kind of fizzled out. Uh, he was going to go to Michigan, which is a good program. Juwan Howard obviously does a very good job there. They've got a lot of guys who play pro basketball, so I think that's actually a really good sign that that's where he was going to go. He opted to sign a professional contract with the G League Ignite, went and played 15 games in the Orlando bubble. You remember they did that. That's where Yudoka Azabuki got hurt. He had 12.3 points. 4.8 rebounds, and 0.8 assists for his averages. Played 15 games, shot the ball pretty okay, I guess, from the three-point line. He shot 36% from three. I want to say he was around 43% from the uh, floor. For a big guy, and he's a big guy, you would like to see that that field goal percentage higher. But 36% from the three-point line is promising, and he's certainly a willing shooter. It looks good when he releases the ball. He looks really comfortable doing that. Uh his awareness on the floor is really bad. It's low. He's not a great defensive player. He's not super tough, but he's 6'10". He has a 7'1 wingspan. He has a 35-inch vertical. He weighs 220 pounds. Like, he has a very, he has a lottery pick body and a second-round draft pick game at this point. So how much do you trust that he can develop that? Can he learn that? Can he take that next step? He looks a lot to me like kind of a poor man's Michael Porter Jr. Now, you know, because Michael Porter Jr. can't create shots for himself, but can really shoot the ball. Uh, he's a really good athlete. Todd isn't that good of an athlete, nor is he that good of a rebounder. Michael Porter Jr. is really a very talented rebounder. That's something that keeps him on the floor. But I think that's, at, at his best, he's going to be a poor man's Michael Porter Jr., which, you know, is a big guy who steps out and spreads the floor. You hope rebounds the ball a little bit and uh, and hopefully can do a tiny bit of playmaking. He's got a little bit of a back-to-the-basket game, which is kind of interesting. I don't know if he's necessarily a significantly better option than what you already have in Jarrell Brantley, but his frame is is pretty elite, uh, and, and I think that's why you're drafting him, and that's why he was a top high school player. So often, top 30 guys in high school just are man-children. You know, they're just these kids that have developed these men bodies and are dominating other high school kids, and I think that's a lot of what happened with Isaiah Todd. Then he got to playing with, you know, Jalen Green and some of these other really great players that, that were with the G League Ignite. And he just doesn't know how to play with other guys that are better than him because he's always been the best player on the floor. So he's going to have a lot to learn. That's where the G League would come in handy. He might be better as a two-way player versus a guy you draft in the first round on a guaranteed contract. That's that's my concern with a guy like uh, Isaiah Todd. But that's who the ringer has the Jazz drafting at the end of the first round. I think you could probably get him later in the second if you wanted. Sports Illustrated's latest mock draft, a name very popular with the Jazz. Uh, in fact, it's supposed to be coming in and I think working out today or tomorrow. I think Tony Jones reported that from The Athletic. Quentin Grimes, the guard out of Houston. Grimes, like Isaiah Todd, though he's a guard, 
had an elite body in high school, was, I want to say, a top five or top six recruit in the country. I mean, at least top 10. He was truly, truly elite at that level, played point guard, uh, and was expected to come in and dominate. He went to Kansas and just really struggled. Uh, He struggled at Kansas, tried to enter the NBA after his first year, went to the combine and absolutely got played off the floor. And they realized this kid's nowhere near an NBA prospect. And to his credit, he went back to college. He decided he wanted to transfer to Houston, changed his game dramatically. uh, And now he averages, you know, just under 18 points, just under six rebounds and two assists. Uh, He's still got that that excellent frame. He's got an NBA body. He's 6'5", 210 pounds. So he's he's certainly big enough to be uh, playing the two guard in the NBA. He's got enough ball handling skills because that's his background to be a little bit of a playmaker and play the one when needed. He's not purely, you know, a guy who's going to shoot the three or attack closeouts. You can probably give him the ball and ask him to get to some different spots in the in the paint uh, and make plays for others because he should have some of that innately from playing point guard so much of his life. But that's Quentin Grimes. Uh, shot 40% from the floor, not great. For some reason, he just didn't finish well over bigger players when he was at Houston, but he did shoot 40% from the three-point line, shot over six threes a game. If you watched Houston at all this year, they really play like a pro team. They were a top 10 defensive team and a top 10 three-point shooting team. Well, that's exactly what the Jazz do. So he's the type of guy at 21 years old who spent three years in college who could step in and potentially contribute right away. And while the Jazz have a pretty good guard line, if you think he can play the three or you think you're going to play, you know, a kind of a bigger guard and a smaller guards rotation uh, and you want to have a guy with some of that, that, that size to play alongside Rudy Gobert if you're going to go four smalls and one big, I think Grimes has a chance to do that. So he's he, he's pretty intriguing. He's pretty interesting. I really like his 5.7 rebound per game average, even though Houston played really small, and that's probably why he, he rebounded as well as he did. I like guards that rebound. I think that shows a willingness and a toughness to come out and do some of the hard things that aren't easy to do in the NBA, and uh, that's why he's projected to go to the Jazz or, or has potential to go there. He could have been a lottery pick had he kind of lived up to his high school uh, reputation. He certainly didn't. But he's got high-level college experience. They were a Final Four team this year. He's played with good players. He's had to put in the work to reinvent himself. I think those are all really good signs for a guy. If you find him at uh, number 30 and you pick him up and you like him, I I think you're probably happy with a guy who can step in and and play on the team and probably actually has a little potential to grow still, even though he's a little bit older than uh, some of the other players that are projected to go in this mock draft. All right. Uh, coming in at number three, we'll go with CBS Sports, Trey Murphy out of Virginia. This is an option I honestly just don't see happening for the Jazz. Trey Murphy, from basically every report, has climbed up to the late lottery. Uh, if not, you know, the late teens, I would be very surprised if he's available on the board at 30 for the Jazz. And if he starts to slip, he's the type of player I think Jazz would, or, or other teams, I should say, would trade up for to get. He is... 6'9", he's got over a 7-foot wingspan, he played at Virginia, he actually played his first two seasons at Rice before transferring to Virginia. His raw averages aren't super impressive, 11 points a game, 3 rebounds and an assist, but he shot 50% from the floor, shot 43% from the 3-point line, he's taken over 500 threes in his college career and shot over 40%, like, there's zero question he's going to come in and be a really good shooter. He actually reminds me a lot of Cam Johnson, who played for Phoenix and was actually kind of a good role player on their their finals team. Went to North Carolina, was considered the best shooter in the draft. Was that last year or two years ago? So 
I think you see a lot of that in Trey Murphy. He can certainly defend his position, can probably defend one spot bigger and one spot, one spot smaller. So he can probably guard two through four in the NBA. Might even be able to switch out on some ones, which is really impressive. Uh, he's just good. He's just a really good player. Uh, he's Because he went to Virginia, he's been extremely well coached, his whole, or at least his junior year. He stepped on the floor at junior and, and as a junior at Virginia and won a starting spot really quickly. Shot 92% from the free throw line. Like His shot is absolutely pure. He's got the athleticism to finish in transition. He can do a little bit of ball handling, a little bit of playmaking. He's kind of a little bit of a point forward, uh, even though Virginia didn't use him a ton like that. I just, he's he's really good. And, and if he was there at 30, it would be an absolute no-brainer. The Jazz would get one of the steals of the draft. I have a hard time seeing him uh, fall to that point. But this is a weird draft. That, that There are going to be names that I think some mocks have at, 18 that end up sitting there at 30. It's just going to be a weird one, and, and, and you only need a couple of teams to pass on you where you kind of fall to the fifth or sixth player picked at your position as opposed to the third, and you drop 12 spots overall. So that's Trey Murphy from Virginia. I honestly haven't written up a ton on him just because I, I don't expect to see him there the same way I'm not going to write up guys who are expected to go in the lottery. If they're not going to be there for the Jazz, I don't think you Jazz fans need to do a ton of research on them. Uh, you can just enjoy watching them when they get in the NBA. Uh, NBA Draft Room, which is kind of an upcoming uh, draft website. They have one of my favorite players in the draft that I've watched so far, maybe my second favorite player that I've seen uh, as I've been watching these guys and going through games. JT Thor, the big man out of Auburn, comes from Alaska, went to Auburn. He was a he was a high recruit. I mean, he was a top 30 recruit, but certainly wasn't the most talked about player going to, to Auburn this year. That was uh, Sharif Cooper, their point guard, who's pretty fun. I'll talk about him in a moment. Uh, JT Thor... His averages are a little bit underwhelming uh, because that's not how he impacts the game. He's not a guy who's going to come out and put up ridiculously huge stats and score 20 points a game that's going to make you fall in love with him. That's not who he is. In fact, he averaged fewer than 10 points a game. He was 9.5 points, 5 rebounds, less than an assist per game. He only shot 44% from the floor. He only shot 29% from the three-point line. There's nothing about his numbers that make you think, okay, this guy's a guaranteed NBA player, but he's... 6'9", he's got a 7'3 wingspan, which is freakish. I mean, that's a plus 6-inch wingspan. That's almost unheard of. Uh, he's got a 9'2 standing reach. Remember, Rudy Gobert's is 9'7". So this guy is 5 inches shorter and has, you know, uh, a, what, a 7-inch shorter wing uh, or, or standing reach. Like, those are really elite length and, and reach numbers for a guy at his size. He can play the 4. I think he might be able to play a little bit of the 3. Uh, he's he showed an ability to play on the wing when he was at Auburn. His 30% three-point shooting percentage, technically 29.7, I think is low. He has a really smooth shot. He's a lefty. It comes off his hand well. He tends to fade a little bit because he'll shoot off motion as opposed to just catching and shooting. I think if you simplify some of the shots he has to take in the NBA, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see his three-point percentage jump up to 34, 35, 36% pretty quickly. And then you just ask him to catch lobs score in transition. He has a little bit of a mid-range game that because he's so big, he can shoot over players. Like There's a lot of raw tools there that make him look like he's going to be a better offensive player. But where he's going to you know, make his bacon in the NBA is on the defensive side of the ball. He can guard four positions, I think. I mean, he did it in college already, if not all five positions. I think if his body fills out, and it should, he's got big wide shoulders. He's not a guy who's going to be skinny his whole life. Uh, he should be able to guard four and maybe five positions in the NBA because of his length. He's got really good feet. He moves well. Uh, he's got a great motor. He puts in the effort. 
He's got good anticipation, really good athleticism. He kind of just knows how to get in to passing lanes, get in on 50-50 balls, get into loose balls, rebounds, whatever you're looking for. He's just kind of always around the ball, and he's getting deflections, and he was making things happen that helped Auburn. And this is a guy who doesn't have as much high-level play uh, as some of the other guys that are that are going to be one-and-done options. Uh, he, he wasn't that type of recruit, but he was certainly a, a pretty big recruit still. And, and just found a way to impact games. He, he's a guy like Jonathan Isaac, you know, Nick Batum when he was younger, Andre Karolinko, like these types of players that you just, you, you can't help but notice when they're on the floor. Matisse Thibel, they just get a ton of deflections and, and steals and pokeaways and they get out in transition and they catch lobs. Just everything they do by running harder and playing harder than other ple- people on the floor. So I think that's really going to be something he's going to do in the NBA. I'm surprised that more people don't have him projected to be drafted higher. I get he's pretty raw, but he just he's always changing the game. He's always bending the floor a little bit because of where he is. I really like him. And then he's young on top of it. You know, there were some guys who I liked last year in the draft that were a little bit older. And, you know, they found a way to get on the floor in college and give themselves a chance in the NBA. I'm speaking specifically of Tyler Bay out of Colorado. Uh but he, you know, he played four years at Colorado before he entered the NBA. Like he had to figure out how to do that stuff before he was going to get drafted. And he was 22, 23 and, and had a man's body. That's why he was changing the game. JT Thor is 19 still and finds ways to affect the game like that. So in two, three seasons, he could just be an absolute defensive monster and exactly the type of player you want to have on the floor next to Rudy Gobert to add extra length to blow up opposing teams pick and rolls he's the type of guy who you could put on Terrence Mann in the corner and still have him creep in as a secondary shot blocker next to Rudy like he's exactly what you need in the modern NBA I'm really as I said I'm really really surprised he doesn't find himself higher on mock drafts I wouldn't be surprised at all if he ends up going in the early 20s because someone falls in love with his physical profile and some of his hustle plays and the fact that he looks like he's the type of guy who's going to be able to step out and shoot the ball Catches lobs with both hands. Just instinctive. Seems like he's got a really high basketball IQ to me. He's just, I like him a lot. He's one of my favorite players. Like I said, I think he might be my second favorite player that I've watched so far in the draft uh, and is the type of guy who I think the Jazz, if they found themselves with the opportunity to draft him and he was sitting there at 30, Jazz fans, I think you should should be pretty happy about that. All right, those are the five different players uh, that, that that are mocked to the Jazz in the latest group of mock drafts. Uh, those are some of the guys that I think probably make a little bit of sense. A couple of them might not be there. Isaiah Todd might be a reach. Trey Murphy probably won't be there at 30. Uh, so let's talk about some of the other guys I've, I've, uh, scouted real quick and broken down for you. You can read all these more in depth at kslsports.com. We'll start with Trey Mann at, uh, Florida sophomore guard, had a huge sophomore season, kind of a quiet freshman year, similar to what Joshua Primo could have done if he had gone back for his sophomore season. His numbers probably would have exploded at Alabama and might have worked his way up into the uh, into the lottery. He's got a better body. He's bigger than Trey Mann is from Florida. Trey's a, a, a really good shooter, one of the best shooters in basketball, both with the ball in his hands and as a spot-up shooter. He can create his own shot. He's got a lot of wiggle. He can hit a bunch of step backs, but he's not super athletic. He's not super fast. Struggled to score in the paint a little bit. He's okay defensively. He's not going to be the biggest liability in the NBA, but I don't think he's going to be a great defender. Uh, And like I mentioned, because he's a sophomore, he's a little bit older than some of these other players uh, and the other guards that are projected to be available at the end of the first round. 16 points, 5.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists, shot 46% from the floor and 40% from the three-point line. 6-4, pretty good vision, makes some good passes, but he's not a natural point guard. Uh, That's Trey Mann. 
You can read more about him at kslsports.com. Jared Butler might be my favorite player in the draft coming out of Baylor. Just a winner. Uh, Six foot four, does everything you need for a point guard. Defends the position, probably can defend both the back, uh, both backcourt positions. Average 16.7 points, 4.8 assists, and 3.3 rebounds. Shot 47% from the floor, 41% from the three-point line. Can pull up in transition, can hit threes off the dribble. If you give him too much space, he's going to shoot over you. He's just really, really impressive. He's only got a 6'4 wingspan. That's kind of the big knock on him. He's a little bit older. Uh, he's a junior, so I think that's one of the issues. He probably could have gone pro after his sophomore season, but came back and won the championship at Baylor. A lot of Jazz fans fell in love with Davion Mitchell from Baylor because he was uh, <laughs> looks so similar to Donovan Mitchell, has the same number, has the same last name. Those two kind of struck up a friendship. I won't be surprised if Jared Butler ends up as the better player in the NBA. He's just really smooth, in total control all the time waits to see what you're going to give him. If you make a mistake, he's just going to take it from you. Finds, you know, his teammates. Just He's just a terrific all-around player. If, if he was available at 30, the Jazz would be extremely foolish, I think, not to decide to go out and pick him up. Io Desumu is a guy who a lot of Jazz fans like, the guard out of Illinois. Uh, bigger guard, I think that's what Jazz fans like so much about him. Six foot five, six foot nine wingspan. Had crazy averages last year. 20 points a game, six rebounds five assists, 48% from the floor, 39% from the three-point line. Like, his statistical profile is elite. His, you know, awards were great. I think he was the Big Ten Player of the Year. He was all Big Ten first team, all Big Ten defensive team. Uh, I think he was the tournament MVP because Illinois ended up winning it. He plays next to Kofi Cockburn, or Coburn, excuse me, who is a true big man in college, which is rare. They run the pick and roll really well, so you could see next season because he's a junior and can defend uh Dosimu coming out and you know playing pick and roll with Rudy Gobert or Derek Favors or Azabuki if he's on the floor like he, he would step in and know how to do it right away uh he could contribute early he can defend a couple of positions in the backcourt he's 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 in, he's intriguing I, I'm doubtful that he's going to be as good of a scorer at the next level I know he averaged 20 points a game in college I just don't think his offensive game is that tight. He really doesn't have a great handle. It's pretty loose. He turns the ball over a lot. He gets his pocket picked a lot. His arms are so long, he just dribbles the ball away from his body too much. Uh, and he tries to change direction a lot because he's not super athletic. He's not. He doesn't have a great first step. So he has to try and change directions. And NBA players are just better at negating that. His standing vertical was under 28 inches. His max vert was 33 inches. Those are really bad for guards. It's the second worst of anyone at the Combine, so he's not a great athlete. He's productive. He found ways to win at Illinois. Those guys generally tend to work out, but he doesn't kind of have this this upper echelon potential, I think, to be a starter in the NBA because I just don't think he has the athleticism. So I think he can be productive. I think I trust his production that he showed in college. I just not as high on him as I think a, a lot of jazz fans are when it comes to Ayu Dosamu out of Illinois. Shreve Cooper, who I touched on a, a little bit, is maybe the most exciting player to watch who's projected to be available where the jazz are drafting. Um, he's six feet tall, maybe six one. He's got the best handle in the uh, in the draft this year. I mean, he just has the ball on a string. 
He's extremely quick. He gets anywhere he wants to on the floor. He's the most. He's probably the best passer in the uh, draft this year. He averaged over 20 points a game. He averaged over eight assists a game. He's only a freshman. He only played 12 games at Auburn next to JT Thor. He kind of has a very similar profile to Kyrie Irving. Now, Kyrie's bigger, but remember he got hurt at Duke and only played a few games and still ended up as the number one overall pick because he was such a wizard with the ball in his hands and, and such a good ball handler and passer. There's a lot of that in Shreve Cooper when you watch him. It's just hard to not see Kyrie, you know, prime Isaiah Thomas, not the one from the bad boy Pistons, but the one who was on the uh, Boston Celtics. He's really fun to watch, but he's so small. He's not a great athlete as far as his leaping ability. He can dunk, but but he's not going to rise up and finish over you. He's a horrendous shooter. Despite averaging 20 points a game, he shot 39% from the floor and 22% from the three-point line. Just weird how bad of a shooter he was. He doesn't get any elevation on his jump shot. It looks like a set shot. It's just, it, it's a weird combination for how quickly he moves his feet, how good he is with the ball in his hands, and then what a poor shooter he is despite averaging so many points. It's really bizarre. And because he's so small, he's going to be horrendous defensively. He doesn't put in the effort defensively at all. So his offensive upside as a playmaker is as intriguing as it gets. His shooting is so bad and his defense is so bad and he's so small. I don't know if he's going to stick in the NBA. He's just he's just a confusing player. He's he's you're always going to love him and hate him when you watch him and I think that might be too hard for the Jazz to pick at point guard where I actually think they're going to be okay. And he doesn't project as a future starter. I just don't think that's the type of player the Jazz would would be looking for. Uh, a point guard the Jazz could look at uh Jaden Springer. I broke him down the guard out of Tennessee, a top 20 recruit. Um, he was kind of overlooked at Tennessee because Keon Johnson, the freak athlete who's expected to be a lottery pick, was also there. But Springer turned in pretty solid averages of 12 points, three rebounds, and three assists. Where he's most impressive, though, is his efficiency, 46% from the floor, 43% from the three-point line, and uh, 81% from the free-throw line. 6'4", 205. Uh, he's pretty young, so his draft age is good. He's going to come in. He's born in 2002, so he's not going to turn 19 until he gets into training camp uh, in September. So he, he's young to have those averages. He's really steady. He didn't shoot a lot of threes, only 1.8 per game, but he knocked down 43% of them. He probably needs to see that climb. Where he's going to do most of his damage early on, I think, is on the defensive side of the ball, where he's really good at the point of attack. He's got a big body. Uh, he's willing to put in the effort on the defensive end. I think those are the types of guys that generally tend to pan out, even if they're not the most high-profile players in the NBA. Those are guys who tend to find a way to stick around. Think Javon Carter from West Virginia, who's on the Suns this year, who's just a great defensive player, seemed to really give the Jazz trouble, and then hits down open threes, even if he's not really looking for threes. He's got a way to do that. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a big scorer. I don't think he's going to be a big... You know, assist guy, his uh, assist to turnover ratio was bad, 2.9 to 2.4, almost 1 to 1. But his youth, his body, his defense, and his shooting percentages are all promising enough to, I think, uh, earn you a chance or earn him a chance to make it in the NBA. Uh, All right, and the final player we're talking about that I've written up, I know I've talked about a lot of guys, probably getting a little uh, into the weeds for you, but uh, Deshaun Bones Highland uh, went to VCU, sophomore really impressive averages, kind of played at a mid-major, but VCU's generally been a pretty good basketball school, really blew up at the NBA Combine, uh, and it pretty quickly threw his name into the first round. He was expected to be a second-round pick, probably locked up a spot in the first round. 19.5 points, 
four and a half rebounds, two assists, shot 44% from the uh, floor, 37% from the three-point line, has NBA range, has really good size, uh, even though he's super thin, but he's 6'3 with a 6'9 wingspan. Like that, That's a nice body to have. He's going to have to put on 20 pounds, I think, 15 pounds to, to get up to an NBA uh, uh, weight and strength, but, but he's got the body and he's got the game to get there. Quick kind of plays a little bit like Jordan Clarkson, a little bit like John Morant. He's not certainly not that athletic, but kind of has that type of game where you could see him being a high-scoring six-man in the league. I don't know if he's big enough to be a starter uh, as far as what his weight's going to be able to do, but he just had some crazy performances in college. I think he's going to stick in the NBA. I just don't know if he's uh, somebody who's going to be able to be a full-time starter. But at 30, if you're picking a player who can make it in the NBA and potentially be in the running for a future six-man of the year, uh, he's, he's, he's worth it at 30. He's got a crazy background story, a horribly sad tragedy. His uh, childhood home burned up. Uh, he had to jump out the window out of the second floor and tore his patella tendon, leading to like a six-month rehab in high school, so he's a little bit behind in some of his development. His grandmother died in the fire. I think one of his cousins died in the fire. So easy kid to root for. Uh, and fun to watch, uh, but but needs to put on some weight if he's going to make it in the NBA. Should be able to do it, but might, might not be able to help and step into play right away. But he's a good player and would be intriguing for the Jazz at 30. All right, that's probably 10 to 15 players I talked about. I'm attaching this to the Mock Draft Roundup, so if you're reading that, you can listen to this podcast. I uh, appreciate you doing that. Find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Read me at kslsports.com. And as I mentioned, we'll be back again with another podcast, uh, hopefully with Kristen Peake, talking about the NBA draft in the next week.